You know, in the words of the great theologian Toby Keith, we got winners, we got losers. I can't remember the word. We got lookers, we got hookers. Hell, I don't remember what all they are. I love this, excuse me, I love this church. I love everything about this place. I love that I get off at exit 16 in the poorest part of our town. I pull into a parking lot full of potholes. I love that when I look at the sign out front for the shopping center, it's falling apart. That when I look at this building, man, y'all are struggling today. Between Scott, that was probably Scott's family out there playing music on their phone. I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. Probably Abby. Looking at the building, I love that nasty, ugly green. I think about that 11 years ago when we signed our lease, the landlord looked at me and said, hey, we're going to be painting that in about two weeks. <laughs> 11 years later, it still hasn't been painted. I love when you walk in, the half the ceiling tiles are missing out front because we had huge roof leaks not long ago. I love that we have to turn all the lights off in the place to make it look somewhat presentable. I feel pretty confident we're the only church possibly in the world that has a wrestling ring in this corner and an MMA ring <laughs> behind this corner. I just love this place. I love what it stands for. That no matter who you are and where you are, you're welcome here. I understand that it's not the place for everyone. And we're okay with that. But it's the only place for me. From time to time, and it's very rare the older I get and the more controversial I get, but I'll get calls from other churches that are looking for pastors. And they'll want to know if I'm interested in well, they call it candidating. It's a dog and pony show. You come out and you preach and they vote on you. And you have to be on good behavior for the weekend. And I always immediately say, no, I'm not. And I had a guy a few months ago, I said a few months ago, probably about a year ago, he said, well, you're not even willing to pray about it? I said, no. He said, well, don't you think you ought to discuss it with your wife? I said, no. He said, so you're telling me that you're not even open to the leading of the Lord. And I said, trust me, the Lord is not leading you to me. <laughs> you would fire me within two weeks. He said, I don't understand. I said, I love this church. Like 11 years ago when we started this thing, I knew some things about this place. I, I knew that we would never be built around religion. I knew that we would never be built around denominational preferences. I knew that traditions would just not be our thing. And if something begins to develop into a tradition, we just get rid of it and start over. I knew that I had been pastoring in churches before that were big business and that we would keep this one very, very simple. I knew that we would simply love God, love people, and take action. I knew before we ever had our first service 
It might not ever become the biggest church in town, and we're okay with that, but that lives would be changed at this place. I knew that marriages would be restored, that addicts would get clean, that people would learn that God loves them, has a plan for them, has a purpose for them, and no matter what anyone else tells them that God is not done with them, I knew this would be that place. I knew that we would be a church for the unchurched. In business terms, that's a really, really bad business plan. It's like going to your investors and telling them you're starting a steakhouse for vegetarians. doesn't really make sense. I knew before we ever had our first service that the church, Big C, other churches would criticize everything that we do. I knew that in many ways, and don't miss what I'm about to tell you, I wanted you to walk through those doors and feel the community that you feel in a bar and not the community you feel in the average church. When we started this church, the reality is Canton didn't need another church. 17 years ago when I moved here, to start another church, I did all the research in Cherokee County at that time. At that time, that was 17 years ago, there was 963 churches in Cherokee County. You couldn't throw a rock without hitting a church. Then we had the church planting movement in every movie theater, every school, every empty building had a church. It has to be well over 1,000 churches here. Canton didn't need another church. But it needed a place where those that don't do church could come in, whether they believed in God or not, and be loved right where they are. Action Church is a unique place. I'm not saying we do it better than other people. I'm not saying we do it worse than other people. I'm just saying it is a unique place. On paper... This church doesn't make sense. It doesn't look like any other church. That's my intention. The people who make up this church probably wouldn't feel very welcomed in other churches. I sure wouldn't feel welcomed in other churches. This one shuts down, I'm done. Not done pastoring, I'm done with church. I believe in the vision so much that I've given my life to this place. I said it during my announcements, the place that no matter what your social standing is, you're welcome here. I, I love that there's times I look out and I think to myself, that person's a millionaire. And three seats down from them, that person's living in the woods and they don't even realize that they're just worshiping God together. I love that. I don't care about your social stand. I, I want it to be a church that we don't care about the color of your skin. Doesn't matter. Black, white, yellow, purple, green. I don't care what you are. I don't care about your sexual preference. We don't care who you love. It's our job to love you. I don't care if you vote red or you vote blue, you drink Bud Light or don't drink Bud Light. We're the church for you. 
We're proud of that. A lot's changed over the years. I went to a birthday Friday night. There was a lot of people from my past there, not necessarily in a bad way, just people who used to attend here. And as I was sitting there, I was reminded, man, a lot of people have come and a lot of people have gone over the years, and that's normal, but the vision has never changed. We are who we are today, just like we were 11 years ago. We live in a day and time where the church has become about everything and anything But we just decided from day one we were simply going to be about Jesus. Over the next month, we're going to be talking about I love my church. Because I I think we need some reminders every now and then of why we do what we do. There needs to be reminders of the vision of this church because the problem with vision is vision, it drifts. It, It can get off kilter, maybe one degree at a time, but if you don't catch it early on, all of a sudden, you're way off course. You ever seen a helium balloon? One day it's up in the air, the next day it's falling. It's funny, I've seen helium balloons up in the sky, then I've seen them down, but I've never seen one actually falling. But vision's like that, it just leaks. Before you realize that the helium has leaked out of the vision and the vision has changed, if you don't fight for the vision. We are what we are. We make no apologies for that. We simply love God, love people, and take action. I love this church. And I love Easter because it's the one time, or the two times a year, Christmas and Easter, it seems like our country, for the most part, turns its attention to Jesus. And that's what this is about. Not about buildings, Again, it's not about religion, it's not about tradition, it's not about the way things have always been. It's simply about Jesus. Now, I get that you're probably thinking to yourself, that sounds like common sense. But it's not today. The church has become literally about everything and anything but Jesus. Church is fighting over traditions instead of preaching Jesus. The church is struggling over denominational beliefs instead of Jesus. Churches have become very political instead of being about Jesus. Funny thing is, I'm about as political as they get. But this place will always be about Jesus. We had someone attend our church one time, and I'm not trying to offend anybody here. And they said, man, I enjoyed the service. And I said, I appreciate it. They said, but we won't be back. And I said, why is that? And they said, there's no American flag. I said, oh, okay. And he said, you don't think you ought to have an American flag? I said, man, I, I said, you come to my house, I have an American flag flying on my front porch. I said, if you talk to my wife, my wife actually will tell you, I love the flag. Every time we pass one, I make a comment about it. But we're about Jesus here. If this church was located in China, it'd look just like this. We're about Jesus. We don't apologize for that. Fight all day long on Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, whatever it is. Do I don't know where all you, all you young whippersnappers are on nowadays. Instagram. We're going to be about Jesus. 
Bible says in John 14, 6, Jesus answered and said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. Please leave that up, Xander. It's a powerful verse. All over our country today, preachers are preaching about the empty tomb. And I want you to know something. I believe the tomb is empty today. I believe he is risen. But we're going to hang out here today. Because I, I, I know a lot of you won't be back, and I'm not even trying to be funny, and that's cool. I'm not even trying to make you feel bad. You won't be back till Christmas. Then you won't be back till Easter. So you've heard the Christmas story, and you've heard the Easter story. But today, I just want you to consider some things. I, I want you to understand why we take such a hard stand on very little, but we draw the line at Jesus. There's some things that we can argue about theologically until the day we die. But we're not arguing when it comes to Jesus. I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. Those are the words of Jesus. I built my life around that verse. I, I, we have built this church around that verse. It's not a popular verse in our day and time. It's funny when you talk about Jesus. Nobody, not even atheists, will deny the existence of Jesus. There's too much historical information to refute the fact that Jesus lived. Jesus was a human being who lived. There will be no debate from people about whether or not he was a good man. There will be no debate from people on whether he did good things. The issue when it comes to Jesus is John 14, 6. It's the claim that Christ makes here. There's no way around it. He claims in this verse to be the Savior. He claims that there's only one way to the Father, and that's through him. And this is where people begin to develop an issue with the church. This is where people begin to develop an issue with Jesus. People will agree that he lived. They will agree that he was a teacher, that he lived a good life, that he helped people. He had a great following. But this audacious claim is where things get tricky. We don't like this mindset that there's only one way. But the reality is, is this person that no one will deny his existence this person that everyone agrees was a good man, this man who everyone agrees helped people and taught thousands of people, the reality is he made this claim. So by him making this claim, he can only be one of three things. Number one, he can be a liar. I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, no one comes to the Father except through me. He said it. So if it's not true, then he's a liar. That would kind of refute 
the teachings that he's a good man. That would kind of go against what history tells us as people wrote about his life. Maybe he's not a liar. Maybe he's just a lunatic. A crazy person. For a man to say he's the only way to heaven, that he's the Savior, if it were not true, that would make that person a crazy person. Christine and I watched about a week ago that documentary on Netflix about David Koresh and the teachings and the Waco thing, and we can get all political on that, and I got lots of political opinions on that. But the reality is this. David Koresh was crazy. He was a lunatic. He claimed he was God. We have no problem looking at him and saying, that guy's off his rockers. We have no problem looking at someone like Jim Jones. Well, all you old people that remember Jim Jones, I'm too young for that. And saying he was crazy. But Jesus made the same claim. So what is it? Is he a liar? Is he a lunatic? Or the third option, he's the Lord. One of those three, there are no other options. Either he's a liar, the good man that everyone talked highly of. He's a lunatic, or he's exactly who he says he was. We have built this church around number three. I have built my life around number three. I have devoted my life and the teachings of my life to number three. But Jesus Christ is exactly who he says he is. It's funny, you know, there's a lot of different beliefs about God. There, there's a lot of different thoughts on a higher power or who God is or what God is. And really, to be honest with you, a lot of people don't even think about God until they're dealing with death. They're close to death, or someone they loved has died, and they're trying to reassure. And we tend to live, I know I live, we tend to live like we're indestructible until we're confronted with death. Till you get to that day where you recognize you're not indestructible. And it's funny, I don't know if it's funny, it's, it's odd to me, as soon as someone dies, no matter what, I like to call the feel-good theology comes out. It doesn't matter how they were raised. It doesn't matter what they believe. They start to say things like, boy, thankfully she's not suffering anymore. You said you don't believe that, Gary? No, I'm just saying that's what we say. People who never think about the end and think about God, that's the phrase they throw out. Oh, Jimmy's gone on to a better place. That feel-good theology. My favorite. I should do a series on this or a sermon on this. Granny's an angel now in heaven, watching over us. 
all due respect to Granny, there's about three, four times a day I don't want Granny looking down watching over me. Just saying. That feel-good theology comes out, and the reality is we have no basis for what we're saying. We just say it. The most hardened person, when they're going through hard times, suddenly knows all about the Bible. I saw a guy on Facebook this week. He's kind of an openly member of our society that he's anti-God and anti-the church. He's always cracking jokes. He's always saying some things. This week, he must have been dealing with something because it was funny. All of a sudden, he was like, hey, appreciate some prayers for blank. Oh, isn't that ironic? When life is falling apart, we tend to look to that higher power. We never think about how we're made right with God. We just think about the cute cliches of God. It's funny to me. We live in a day and time where people have zero issue talking about spiritual things. And to be honest with you, spiritual things are really not controversial. I mean, you can say you have a higher power. You can say you have a higher being. You can say you have a God. You can say you... My favorite. I had church this morning driving down the road with my radio on. You might have had worship. You didn't have church. Church is the gathering of the saints. That can upset you all day long. In its truest sense, the church means called out assembly of believers gathered together for a common purpose. You didn't have church in your car. It's a southern term. I had church today, boy, I tell you what. No, you, had, you might have had personal worship. You didn't have church. We just throw out cliches and no one gets upset. Things never actually get weird when it comes to spirituality in our day and time. And I want you to ask yourself why this is. Until the name of Jesus gets brought up. And there's a lot of opinions on Jesus, and suddenly people get real weird when it comes to Jesus. And that's odd to me, because like I said, nobody denies the existence of Jesus. Nobody. I have never heard, I have Googled it, I have looked, I have done a deep dive. I said, is there any argument from any religion of any person, even atheists, who say Jesus didn't even exist? Nobody thinks that. But people get bent out of shape about Jesus. It's interesting to me because people get upset about Jesus, but they don't even dislike his teachings. So nobody denies that he existed. And you'd have to be a flat-out idiot, and there are some of those in our world, to dislike the teachings of Jesus. Help the poor. Love those that others overlook. Forgive people. Do good to others. Realize life's not about you. Like nobody gets upset about the teachings of Jesus. So nobody denies that he exists. 
Nobody gets offended by his teaching, yet people wig out when it comes down to Jesus. And I've thought long and hard why that is, and I always come back to that first verse. Can you put it back up there, Xander? It's not in my nose to put it back. Yeah, thank you. Xander's good. It's this. The issue people have with Jesus is the exclusive claim that Jesus makes. We live in a very inclusive world. We live in a world that believes all roads should lead to God. My favorite. All world religions are the same, but the problem with that is things that are different are not the same. Like that might be the most ignorant statement ever. Well, all religions are the same, but they're not. Just like very few people know actually about Jesus, they know even less about world religions. The teachings of Jesus and what he says here so opposes the mindset of our society that there's right and wrong. That there can be only one way. Because for us to to accept there's only one way would mean we would have to accept that all the other ways are wrong. But Jesus says, no man comes to the Father except through me. So he's a liar, lunatic, or Lord. Which one is it? We're all about Jesus here. We don't complicate things. But if you're going to make a statement that we're all about Jesus, you better understand why we're all about Jesus. So today, I just want you to consider some things. I don't want to just get up here during this series and say, here's our values, and not explain to you why there are values. I don't want you to sit out there and say, man, they're just the values. I want them to be your values if you choose for this to be your church. I, I want you to be passionate about what we do. I don't think you're going to agree with everything that we, we do, and I understand that. I don't agree with everything we do. I don't. A lot of stuff that goes on around here I don't agree with. But I've learned the older I get to keep the main thing the main thing. And for us, it's Jesus. Because I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No man comes to the Father except through him. So Gary, you're saying that you believe Jesus is the only way? He's either liar Lunatic or Lord. If he's a liar, then we're wasting our time here. If he's a lunatic, we're wasting our time here. Let me rephrase that. I don't know that we're wasting our time because we learn some good things, but we could take this and get rid of it, have some music every week, and I could get up here like Tony Robbins and give you a self-help message every week, and we could go about our week. It'd make my life a whole lot easier. But we believe he's the Lord. And I just want you to consider some things. I, I'm not even telling you that I'm right. I just want you to consider some things. That, but Gary, all things are saying, but they're not. They're not. It's just, that's just reality. I mean, take Buddhism for a, for a second. They believe that there's no type of final existence. That's what they believe. I'm not saying they're wrong, but I'm saying they can't be right and we be right. Things that are different are not the same. A Buddhist believes in countless 
countless rebirths. And eventually you get to the point where you're in that cycle. So as a Buddhist, maybe I can identify as a woman because in a previous life I was one. I don't know. I am a diva in a lot of areas. Say amen, Christine. You know? Maybe, maybe in a previous life I was a dog and that would explain my dislike of cats and peeing outside so much. I don't know. But that's what Buddhists believe. They believe that we are just reincarnated. There's no finality. So again, I'm not saying they're wrong, but I'm saying that can't be right. And Christians believing there's an eternal place called heaven, they believe things that are different are not the same. You contrast that with the Hindu faith. And they believe in a, a God. He's an impersonal God. There's not a deity who is God. You approach this God through statues, through idols. It's not the same. We believe that there's a God. The way, the truth, and the life. I, I'm not saying those are wrong. I'm just saying things that are different are not the same. I have more respect for a Buddhist who says, I believe this is right, than someone who says, we're all right. We're not all right. (laughs) It's impossible. And I know that is a hard factor to accept in the day of participation trophies. Nobody wants to hear they're wrong. But things that are different are not the same. Both Buddhists and Hindus don't believe in the forgiveness of sins. They believe there is no such thing as supernatural help. They just believe in a thing called karma. If you cut someone off in the road, someone else is going to cut you off in the road. Karma. Now you contrast that with the Muslim faith. A Muslim worships a personal God. They call him Allah. They have no secondary gods. There's a total ban on idols. But you're standing with God is based solely on your good deeds outweighing your bad deeds. Action church, we'd be screwed. We'd be screwed, man. Like, I try to do good, but I am bad. Like, bad things. You can trace that with more New Age movements. They believe there's no God at all. We are our own God. It is our goal to be one with the cosmos. You're reincarnated over and over and over. There's someone you don't like. Maybe they come back as a tree. You come back as a dog. I don't know. You pee on them. So, Gary, I feel like you're bashing other religions. I'm not bashing anybody. I'm giving you facts. If you think I'm bashing something today, then maybe that's your own internal battle. I'm just simply saying that things that are different are not the same because as Christ followers, we believe he's the way, the truth, and life, and no man comes to the Father except through him. We believe in a personal God who loved us so much that he knew imperfect beings could not go to a perfect place and his son had to come and pay the price for our sins. What we believe. We believe Jesus came to earth and he lived 33 years without sin. That's hard. 
We believe he died for the sins of the world. We believe he rose again. And we're made right with God, not by idols, not by deities, not by ritual, not by our good deeds, not by our bad deeds, but by what he did on the cross. It's funny. People think, well, don't you think that's weird to believe? I don't think it's any weirder to believe than I die and come back as a dog. It's funny how we justify our beliefs. I believe in the natural. It's a hard concept to comprehend, but we're not dealing with the natural. We're dealing with the supernatural. I I, I believe it's about as crazy sounding as there was nothing. All of the cosmos were floating around. One day, boom, they hit. Bing, bang, boom, here we are. Then you don't believe that? I'm saying it sounds as crazy as that. But Jesus says, I'm the way, I'm the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So I've banked my life on this statement that he's not a liar, not a lunatic, that he's Lord. And so today I simply want you to consider Jesus. Let me tell you something about me. I'm not going to shove Jesus down your throat. If you leave here today and you say, man, I'm never going to believe in Jesus, but I like the church, I like to come back every week, I'm going to say, man, come back every week, we'd love to have you. I don't care. At the end of the day, the Bible says every man must give an account for himself. I'm never going to beat you up. We're not going to have an altar call and you come down here and I keep on doing it and we're not going to sing 72 verses of just as I am until finally somebody comes down. Say, what are you talking about? I'm saying, in some churches, I went to a church like that. It's the first church I ever went to. I was trying to hook up with a girl. Boy, don't every story start that way. And I went to church. And then the preacher, you've heard me tell the story. He's a crazy little man. Little five-foot nut in Cherokee Indian. He hit that stage like a like it was a machine gun. And he started on this side and I mean, you got power of hell! You know, I mean, it's just crazy. You know, my favorite. You got to fry like bacon. I was like, but at the end, they did this altar call. I know most of you don't know what that is because you come to Action Church. So what it is is they, they sing this same song until someone comes down. Nobody was coming down. Me trying to impress the girls, like, I'm going to take one for the team. About the 17th verse, I thought about coming down and I made a fatal mistake. I opened my eyes. You don't open your eyes because then the preacher locks in on you. I'll never forget just like this. Sing it again. That's the battle of the wheels. I ain't going down now. I'm going to lie, he, he won, though, nine more verses. I'm like, I'm taking it for the team. So I came down. I don't know what I did when I came down. I remember going home and telling my mom, I said, Mom, I went to church tonight. She said, that's great. What you got? I said, I went down. She said, what does that even mean? I said, I don't know. <laughs> I went down. I'm not going to shove Jesus down your throat. 
But I want you to consider logically. Because the reality is, is we cannot have it both ways. Liar. He's lunatic. Or he's Lord. He made the claim. If I got up here today and told you I am Gary Lamb, welcome to Action Church, I am God. Y'all would all leave. Why? Because you think I was a lunatic. But yet here's this man throughout history that no one denies existed, and they like his teachings, and he made the claim. The liar would negate all the good to me. The lunatic would negate the good to me. So he has to be the Lord. I just want you to consider Jesus today. Listen to me. I'm going to go fast. Not really. (laughs) I'm not asking you to consider Christians. We suck. It's been honest. Nothing more embarrassing in the world to me than people who call themselves Christians. We're horrible. We think we're Christians because we're Americans. I say that. I mean, we're screwed up. Don't, don't, don't. I'm not asking you to consider Christians. I'm just not. I'm not asking you to consider church. Man, church is screwed up. This church is screwed up. Trust me. It's insane. <laughs> I'm not asking you to consider me. And I'll let you down faster than anybody in this building. I don't want to, but I will. So I'm not asking you to consider Christians. I'm not asking you to consider the pastor. I'm not asking you to consider church. I'm not even asking you to consider Action Church, even though I love my church. I'm just asking you to consider Jesus today. I, I just want you to consider what he claims. I want you to consider what other people said he did. I want you to consider what history says he did. And just consider him and see what happens. I I want you to, first of all, to consider the ministry of Jesus. The ministry of Jesus. I, I want you to consider who he came for and how he treated those people. Mark 2 says, when the teachers of the law, who were Pharisees, the Pharisees are the religious people. I know y'all don't know any of those. The people that play church on Sunday. The the people that um, are more interested in the traditions than Jesus. When the Pharisees saw him eating, oh my gosh, with the sinners. Even though the Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Bible says, there's none righteous, no, not one. We're all sinners. Gary Lamb, king of the sinners at Action Church. Man. Trust me, you ain't got nothing on me. So I'm meeting with the sinners, and I like how they clarify a different level of sinners, the tax collectors. They asked his disciples, why is he eating with the sinners and the tax collectors? Why is he eating with those people? We went to Ice House Friday night. Ice House, what a classy place. To be honest with you, it's actually one of the better, classier dive bars I've ever seen. That's not saying much, but nevertheless. We walked in, 
I didn't even tell Christine this. I just remembered it. I heard someone at a table. That's the pastor of Action Church. Why is a pastor here? And I would look at him and be like, well, why are you here? Is this where you first met me? A lot of people can say that. Not Ice House, but other places. Why would he hang out there? And just because I'm a spiteful, arrogant person, I sat down and said, bring me a Bud Light, please. I had a Bud Light and tater tots. and Guess what? I don't feel gay now, even though I drank it. It's amazing. I still pee standing up. It's amazing how that worked. The religious said, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? And I'm hearing this, Jesus said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners. God, I love that. I, I just want you to consider, as you're considering Jesus, that he considers ministry. Jesus didn't come for those who have it all together. He came for people like me and you who need grace. I always find it amazing that the church is the most non-grace-filled place in the world and Christians are the most non-grace-giving people, yet we experience grace from the way, the truth, and the life. Not a liar, not a lunatic, the Lord, the big G God, gave us grace. He can't, oh, miss. He actually came for those who religion rejected. Just consider his ministry. How could you not be down with that? He's a personal God. When everyone else said, we're too good for them, they're not good enough for us, they're not clean enough, they're not righteous enough, they're not holy enough, Jesus said, those are my people. He loved those that everyone else despised. He welcomed those that people turned away. He didn't come for those that were perfect. And oh, by the way, no one's perfect. Even those who act like they're perfect. They got the biggest demons of them all. Problem with this church is we just prayed our crazy on the front porch. Now hear me out. If you do, and you're watching online, because I know no one in this building, but if you're watching online today and you're perfect, you do you. You sit there, you shine your halo. You act like you have it all together. And just know that Jesus came for people like us. The messed up people. I mean, not only did he come for messed up people, but if you look at what he spent his life doing, you'll be blown away. He opened blind eyes. He healed deaf ears. He, he, he called the mute to speak. He, he multiplied a few loaves and a few fish, and he fed thousands of people. He cast out demons. I mean, dang, he rose from the dead, and I know this is hard to comprehend, and I know that every Baptist in the world is going to choke on this, even though they do it behind the pastor's back. His first miracle ever is he took water, he turned it into wine. And with all due respect, to the theologians in our community. It was wine. 
not grape juice. It was good wine to the point that people tasted it and said, oh, man, normally people bring out the best stuff at the first, but they saved it for the last. I want everyone to look around real quick. Someone's fixing to walk out. Look around, look around, look around. Turned water into wine. I kind of think if Jesus was around today, he'd have ordered a Bud Light Friday. That was his ministry. They're flaunting it in our face. Saw a Bud Light candidate and had a cowboy sticker. Like it was a cowboy, Dallas Cowboys can. That offended me more. I thought, man, they're throwing Dallas Cowboys in my face. I dare them. And then someone pulled up a can that back about 10, 15 years ago, they had Dale Earnhardt on the can. I thought, man, here they are throwing NASCAR in my face. How dare them? Funny what we notice and don't notice, ain't it? Mm-hmm. What non-alcoholic wine? I, I want you to consider the miracles of him, his ministry. And, and here's what else is funny. You go back and study history, not the Bible, history books that talk about Jesus. There's no history books that refute the miracles he performed. None. No one comes along and says he didn't do these things. Nobody comes along and says he didn't raise from the dead. They saw it. Consider the ministry of Jesus. That's all I'm asking you to do today. Just consider Jesus. We're here today because of the ministry of Jesus. It's amazing to me. I could ask for a show of hands. I could ask for people to walk up on stage all day long and talk about what Jesus has done in your life, and we'd be here all day. This place is full of miracles. The fact that I'm on this stage alive today is a miracle. I'm not qualified to lead this place. <laughs> but God chose me for whatever reason to do this. We're going to have a big discussion about it when I get to heaven. I don't know why I got punished that way. I I want you to consider not only the ministry of Jesus, I want you to consider the resurrection of Jesus. The resurrection. Why does this matter? It matters a lot. He was born of a virgin. He didn't inherit the sin nature of us. He was completely without sin. He lived a perfect life, died on the cross, became sin for us. He suffered horribly. While the creation was mocking the creator, they spit on him, they hurled insults at him, they beat him beyond recognition, and he looked up to heaven and said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Can you imagine doing that? I mean, what kind of grace is that? I want you to consider the resurrection. And then as he took his last breath, he called out and said, It is finished. To your hands I commit my spirit. Eli, Eli, Lama, Abbasabachtani, the original language. It is finished. What was finished? The work needed for us. The earth trembled and 
Christ died. The earth went dark. And the Bible says at that moment, a Roman centurion who was not a follower of Jesus, but was witnessing that moment, who saw his love, his heart, his mercy, said, I didn't believe before, but I believe now. Then just as he predicted, he said, I'll give my life, and three days later I'll raise from the dead. What we're celebrating today. A woman went to the tomb of Christ, and the stone was rolled away. He was not there. And Peter, who had just a few days before denied him, and all the other disciples who had walked away, people who had given up because they thought he was dead and forgot that he said he was coming back, he walked the earth for about 40 days afterwards, and they saw him, and the Bible says this in Acts 3.15. Them talking, preaching. He said, you killed the author of life. Don't miss this. But God raised him from the dead. Don't miss this. We are witnesses of this. He said, you killed Jesus. He raised from the dead, and we know this because we saw this. We're witnesses of it. We saw it. That's why these men were willing later on to give their lives for Christ. Because they witnessed the resurrection with their own eyes. He didn't just vanish. He came and walked among the people for nearly 40 days, almost over a little over a month. It all hinges on that. It wasn't enough that he died. He had to resurrect. And I want you to consider that. And I get the people who say, how do you know he, he, how do you know he, I get it, it doesn't make sense. I've heard it said the Roman soldiers stole the body. Yeah, maybe. But why would they do that? Because there was nothing more the Roman Empire would rather do than produce the body of Christ. Why steal it and feed in to the belief system of the people you're trying to destroy? It makes no sense. I know this is hard for us today, but let's think logically. Maybe the disciples stole the body. Yeah, maybe. A few simple disciples, overpowered, trained Roman soldiers at the tomb, and got Jesus out of there. And yet the soldiers never said that's what happened. They probably lost their lives over what happened. You don't think they would have come along and said, this is what happened. He didn't, he didn't raise from the dead. They, they, they came and they overpowered us. <laughs> uneducated men devised. Do you really expect us to let uneducated men devise the greatest scheme in history? Pulled it off. Kept it all a secret the personal harm to themselves. Now they were witnesses of what they saw. Anybody ever tried to keep a secret? You know the only way to keep a secret? Don't tell anybody. You tell one person, it's no longer a secret. Yet you're trying to say all this group of people devised this plan, this secret, and they kept this secret of how they stole the body the entire time. 
Remember, Judas is gone, so there's 11 disciples left. Ten of the 11 disciples were murdered for their faith. Studies show they've done investigations, they've done deep dives into the psychological parts of this, and they said, people will give their lives for the truth, but they will not give their lives for a lie. When the rubber hits the road and it's time to die, if they're living a lie, they will confess the lie to save their lives. Yet you're telling me 10 of the 11 who were martyred were willing to die? For a lie? The only one who didn't die was exiled to an island, John, and he died of old age. So he lived on an island by himself. For a lie? No, it just logically doesn't make sense to me. Consider his resurrection. They saw the risen king. They saw the risen savior. Even Thomas, my favorite is Thomas, one of his disciples. They call him Doubting Thomas. Thomas said, I don't believe it. When I can stick my finger in the scar holes, I'll believe it. And Jesus said, Bow. You know that Thomas went to India, became the first missionary to India to spread the gospel to India. They tied him to a stake. And the last thing they ever said to him, they said, if you will deny that Jesus came back to life, we'll let you live. And he said, I cannot deny what I've seen. And they drove a stake through him and killed him. You're telling me that a mere mortal is going to die for a lie? Mm-mm. The witnesses saw it. They saw it. The early church was born. First day, 3,000 people saved. 2,000 years later... We're here. You're telling me that that's just a story? That lives have been changed all over the world for 2,000 years based on a lie? Then we're the biggest idiots in the world. Or he's the way, truth, the life. Not a liar, not a lunatic, he's the Lord. There was witnesses of what they saw. Josephus wrote about people seeing him that weren't even Christ followers. Consider Jesus. I'm just asking you to consider him today. I'm wrapping up. I'm wrapping up. Two more hours, I got it. I'm wrapping it up. I love my church. The thing I love the most about it is we're all about Jesus. But we're not all about Jesus just to be all about Jesus because it sounds cool. We're all about Jesus because we've considered Jesus. We've considered the ministry. We've considered the resurrection. The last thing, I want you to consider the message. Romans 3.23 says we are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who they are. It's true for everyone, no matter who they are. I heard a preacher recently get him and say, if you vote Democrat, you're not a Christian. I don't know about this verse. It says, no matter who you are. Can't be gay and be a Christian. It says, no matter who you are. I didn't write the thing. Not the golden corral. You don't get to pick and choose. 
can't do this and can't. It says who you are, no matter who we are. It doesn't say we're made right by being good enough, by not being bad, by saying bad words. Thank God for that. It doesn't say we're not made right by yelling at our kids in the car on the way to Easter service. Parents, be honest, how many yelled at kids this morning on the way to church? Don't lie, don't lie, don't lie, don't lie. But you pulled in that parking lot, boy, and it was on. Nicole, I know you did, because I saw, I saw you raise your hand. I saw that look on your face when you walked through the door. Now, Nicole is the queen of RBF. If you don't know what RBF is, Google it. Today, it was a whole other level. I knew, I knew that little girl had her fired up today. I saw her running from Nicole to get in to see Nana and Papa or whoever they are, Grammy and Grandma, whatever. Maybe she was trying to get away from Mom. I could feel the tension. Man, we're made right with God by placing our faith in Christ. It's for everyone. No matter who you are. It's true for everyone who believes. I'm just asking you to consider the ministry. Consider the resurrection. Consider the message. The message is this. It's for us. He came for us. All we have to do is believe. We're doing baptisms in two weeks. You don't have to be baptized to be a Christian. You know what baptism is? Baptism is simply our way of letting the world know we've decided to follow Christ. It's symbolic. So they were saved, baptized, and added to the church. I believe it's a powerful demonstration. I believe y'all do it. If you've never been baptized, you should go sign up and do it. It's awesome. I, I, I believe we're going to celebrate with you. But if you choose not to, guess what? It has nothing to do with being baptized. It's impossible for our good deeds that way or bad deeds. It doesn't matter, and I want you to hear me out right now, how bad your life is messed up right now. It doesn't matter how good your life is right now because it'll be messed up sometime in the future. We put our faith in Christ. The great thing about Jesus is it's not what we do, it's what he did. That's the difference between religion and relationship. This is not a religion. It's a relationship. Jesus did not come to start a religion. Man took those teachings and decided, we want to control people, so we're going to put rules with it. No! It's about a relationship. He came to offer us eternal life. He came to show us the love of God. Religion is all about how you perform. Relationship is all about how Jesus performed. Religion says you have to work hard enough. Maybe God will love you. Relationship says God loves you. That's hard for us to comprehend because we feel like our love from other people is based on what we do, not to Jesus. That's what makes it different. Religion says you have to obey him. Relationship says I want to do what he taught me to do because I understand what he did for me. I'm just asking you to Consider the message. I like the message because the message is for us. So here's the deal. I love my church. She's not perfect. She's flawed. She's screwed up. <laughs> you're going to get pissed off. I'll go ahead and tell you what else you're going to do. You're going to leave. You'll come back. 
Sandra, have I ever made you mad? How many years have you been here, Sandra? About 10. Sandra finally had enough one day and left. Turned in her key. I died. I don't even remember what I did to make her mad. I know it was me, though, probably. Big talking Sandra was gone one week and right back here. This place just kind of grows on you, man. It just kind of corrupts you from other churches. Like you go to other churches and you're like, man, I, I, I don't like this. Like you go to another church and you're like, why doesn't the, the worship leader look like Ronnie Van Zandt? I don't understand it. And the preacher didn't cuss or yell at. I don't understand it. But we're all about Jesus. I am the way, I am the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. As I look and I have to stake my claim somewhere, I've just decided I'm going with Jesus. Logically, it makes the most sense. Spiritually, it makes the most sense. Emotionally, it makes the most sense. Because he came for people like me. Messed up people. If you're here today, you've never put your faith and your trust in Christ, I ask you to consider him today. How do I go about doing that? Get simple. In your own way, whatever that looks like. Just let him know, man, God, I realize, man, I messed up. I can't do it on my own. I put my faith in what you did. The Bible says, for whosoever's called upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I'm not going to call you down. If you've got more questions, you want some, maybe to walk through it, man, find me a service. I'll be glad to help you. If you're a lady and you'd like to talk to my wife, she's down here. Um, Dave and Sarah, raise your hand. They're in the back. If you like, man, there's people. You pull them aside and they want to make a big deal about it. But you, we don't, not really that complicated. Putting your faith in him. Here's the deal. I'm proud of this church. Seems weird to talk, do a church series starting it on Easter. But I think it makes so much sense. We need to be reminded that we have something special here. I love it. But number one, it's because we're all about Jesus. And that will never change. 